1: Uh, love, I don't get enough of it.
2: Welcome to Watching the Throne. Where we talk everything Kanye West. I'm Chris.
1: I'm Travis. And today we have a very special episode. Uh, Instead of covering a song by Kanye, we're going to interview somebody in his journey with Kanye West. His name is Jordy C. Johnson of Fifth Opinion. The podcast Fifth Opinion. Yes. (laughs) And
0: we're going to hear your story-yay. <laughs> I feel like you built me up that people are going to think like I've actually been on a journey with Kanye West, and this is going to be really disappointing. You have been. You well, have. a personal one,
1: <laughs>
2: not literally. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's all in the marketing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, they click thinking somebody took a road trip with Kanye West, and then they find right. out that it's just a guy who sat there listening to Kanye. <laughs>
1: I actually did have a road trip where I listened to every single Kanye West song in a row, and it was pretty fantastic. Sounds good to me.
2: That sounds beautiful.
0: I remember Jordan <laughs> making fun of me for that, actually. I did. I regret it. You should not bring that up anymore.
2: <laughs> this was in your pagan days?
0: <laughs> yes, dark times.
2: <laughs> well, before we get into uh, your journey, we have some Jay Z news that we want to go over.
0: Oh, yeah. Would it wouldn't be
1: a podcast if we weren't discussing, you know, this crazy shit Jay-Z's doing. Um, like, I, the other day he tried out a new hand cream, and he's actually considering switching brands now.
2: Ah, that's huge. I wonder who's going to get the endorsement. Yeah, I it's pretty coveted prize to be
1: the uh, official hand cream spokesman for Jay-Z. <laughs> or be the... Wait, the spokesman, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Whatever. That's good. Um, Well, my news is it turns out that Jay-Z had ice cream for the first time ever. Um, Wait,
1: for the first time ever?
2: For the first time ever, Jay-Z had never had ice cream. Um,
1: That's
2: crazy. I know. Um, He was really skeptical of the chocolate-vanilla-strawberry combination that was presented to him. (laughs) Um, But he discovered that it was incredible, that the flavors, instead of uh, combating one another, actually dance on the palate very well. I do actually agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the story has a tragic ending as Jay-Z got brain freeze for the first time as well and has since sworn off ice cream forever.
0: Wow. Just like that.
2: Just like that. That's
0: fucking crazy. That's a dramatic turnaround. He's yeah. He's treating it like rap beef or
1: something. Like. That's yeah.
2: crazy. Yeah. It was good while it lasted. Um, and Jordan... Uh, we're told you have some Jay-Z news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. Uh, I was actually sitting next to him on a plane the other day. Holy shit. Yeah, he just slept, though. I didn't get to talk to him. Oh, so your news
1: is he slept on a plane. <laughs> he did. <laughs> that's pretty cool.
2: What, uh... did he... So you
0: were, like, first class. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the only way to do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, like, put his head on your shoulder or anything. He, uh kept his face is there any part of like juicy gossip there
0: (laughs) i wanted to put mine on his but you know (laughs) i figured that was inappropriate
2: it's true i bet uh i bet it would be hard and rocky like a boulder where kanye's shoulder is probably very soft and (laughs) pillowy.
1: wow wowzers
2: um so that does it for the jc news section (laughs)
1: So, yeah, we're going to do what we came here to do, which is interview Jordan about Kanye West and
2: his story. Story. Oh, God. Um, so, let's, let's start off with the first question, very basic. Uh, which albums have you listened to?
0: Oh, all of them. Of course. Okay, good. Including the bootlegs? Uh, no, not including bootlegs. Well, don't say you've listened to all the
1: albums. <laughs> Just kidding! Wow. <laughs> um, I don't even
0: think I've listened to the Blue Legs.
2: And uh, which of them is your favorite so far?
0: Oh Jesus, no doubt. Not even close. We may or may not agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait three years to find out, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much you guys want to get into stuff songs you haven't covered, but uh, you know I'm sure it'll come up.
2: Nah, no, we
0: we'll
2: We're it. fine. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna. Uh, we'll eventually get into discussing specific songs. With you. Um, okay. But, uh, I say that
0: like I'm surprised, like I have no knowledge of that.
2: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, what? What? <laughs> um, Song <Sound> analysis? <laughs> do you remember the first time you heard Yay? Or the, the first time you hear Yay?
0: <laughs> uh, I do, actually. Which was uh, when the trailer for Jarhead came out in 2005, and Jesus Walks was in it. I remember that trailer. Yeah, great trailer. Wow. Probably I might mean, have like the trailer better than the movie. Yeah, I was going to say that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. And then it was just a long, long dark road before, yay, reemerged in my life. (laughs) Didn't uh, Kanye play in the trailer for, like, Wolf of Wall Street or something? Oh, that's right, he did. Power or something? It was uh, Black Skinhead. Oh, yeah, that's right. I I didn't know it at the time, though. Holy shit.
2: He was also in the Great Gatsby trailer.
0: That's right. That's right, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, uh, at the theater that I go to a lot, they they play, like, you know, those commercial, those pre-show commercials, and uh, there was, like, an ad for, like, a touchpad or something like that, and Black Skinhead, the music, would play all the time. And I just, after I actually listened to the album, I thought it was funny that, like, this ad was using a song called Black Skinhead for their product the entire time.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I Not that funny, you mean, but, you know. yeah. yeah. What, uh... Go ahead. Well, I was just wondering, like, what did you originally think of him? Like, if
1: you heard Jesus Walks, like, were you impressed? Was there anything about him
0: that, like, drew you in? I liked Jesus Walks at the time. And that was, like, the only song of his I had for years. And I I liked that song, and then I just kind of lost track with it. And then I think for a long time I got kind of... I fell into the same camp I think a lot of people do, which is just really stupid and not understanding him. Um... And, yeah, yeah, it just, you know, there's that whole reticence to, you know, get let him in. I don't know. Because, you know, I think his persona is so huge, and it makes you feel kind of standoffish at first.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, especially, like, a lot of people, I think, are shocked. They either don't understand the context of things that they've heard him say, like, right. with him talking about how his job is as dangerous as, like, police officers, Right. Like, he wasn't trying to say that, he was just trying to say, like, there's a risk of getting injured that's present in performing on the stage that he does sure. that isn't there for, like, an office worker. But that with, like, the George Bush stuff and the Taylor Swift stuff, a lot of people just tend to think of him as a generic asshole with no talent rather than somebody that actually uh, has reasons for doing what he does. And, right, You know, actually, uh, come to think of it,
0: there, I did, before I got into him, there was one other little blip where uh, somewhere I used to work, someone was listening to Runaway, and I'd never heard the song, and I'd only, I I was only hearing the, like, the instrumental part, like, the last four or five minutes of the song.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was just, I I heard it, and I was kind of blown away. I was like, what the hell is this? And I asked him, he looked, he looked at me like I was an idiot and said it was Kanye West. Um, (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you hear the song, and again, without like the context of his whole thing, mm. just hearing him, you know, just <laughs> like you know, say things like a toast for the douchebags and stuff is a difficult entry point. Yeah, right. Yeah, that whole
1: part on "Runaway," where it just slips into like kind of auto tuning like and he fades into the song, sort of. It still blows my mind that he he achieves something like it's just content meeting for him. And it's just the music that kind of overtakes it and becomes like part of the emotion of like what he's expressing. It's crazy. Good. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, and it also plays into the idea, like you could view it also as the girl that he's speaking to in the song, getting a distance from him or us, the listener getting distance from Mm -hmm. him to where we actually are running away. Um, yeah, from this sort of uh, cycle that he puts you through of like being an asshole and then like being vulnerable and bringing you back in, it's really, it really is a beautiful moment of like form meeting narrative in music, yeah, right. which I don't think you get all that often.
0: And also, I mean, on top of that too, I, I, even as somebody you know who doesn't isn't going to get like some of that thematic stuff. Just um, like an unbelievable section of musicality too, where it just uh, uh, all all the baggage from Kanye and the lyrics and everything just falls away, and it's like, how can you not appreciate just you know the the music that he's doing? Uh, the only I think the only thing in speaking to other people that tends to be hang up is the autotune stuff, but you know that's a hurdle you gotta kind of gotta get over once you <laughs> start getting into him. You have a whole album of hurdles to get over with that. Like, <laughs> anyways, it is all of that. <laughs> Which I think is, I I think listening to that album is kind of, I think that part of that whole album's point is to make people clear that that hurdle, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a a big part of 808s is trying to sell the, you know, the legitimacy of autotune as, like, an emotional and musical tool, which I think he absolutely does. Yeah.
1: Part of me wonders, though, like, we'll get into 808s, I guess, but... It's the only album to me that sounds in between, like, stages for him. Right. Like, I feel like he has such a clear and distinctive vision on most of his, well, at least graduation going forward. I guess right. we've talked about, like, college dropout, how it's, like, kind of random. But I still feel like there's a defiance to him that's going on. And 808s, like, I guess sonically and, like, musically, like, it feels to me like an experiment more than, like, something he's grasped. Like, I like the out tune way more on like my beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy and use this like the way he utilizes it and how it means something in different contexts and everything
0: I don't know I just I still have trouble getting the 808 sometimes even though I like it more than I used to I think it's you know I think there's something to be said for using it as a way of sort of distancing himself and the emotion from Himself, you know what I mean? Mm. Where you're not just listening to to Kanye, you're listening to Kanye through this filter. There's like a barrier between you and his, you know, his just regular human voice that I think is a thematically appropriate for like you know all the like heartbreak and yeah, just heartbreak themes of that album. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I I adore that album. That was the album that got me into Kanye. Um, so when we start discussing songs in that album. By the end of it, you're either going to agree or hate me. But <laughs> um.
1: I think I'll agree mostly on like individual songs. There are some songs in there I definitely I know I don't like as much as you, but I I think as a whole is where I'll have to be sold on it. Maybe going
0: song by song will help me out a lot more. It's the only one I haven't been able to grasp as a whole. I think yeah. it definitely has my least favorite songs from his discography, but it also, i but I still love it and I still think it's fascinating and has also some of his best song at the
2: same time yeah i think jordan what you were saying about how the autotune plays into the emotion and creating like a not kanye but this like embodiment of kanye's emotion is like a really interesting aspect of the album um right. especially as the album as uh, a work of catharsis for him yeah definitely right hmm. Um, well, when did he finally click for you? Like what, what, what year was it? What was it that happened? Like, okay. walk, walk us through that story. Eh? <laughs> Never
0: gonna get old. Oh God. Uh, okay. So, well, I'm actually a pretty recent Kanye vert. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, I actually got into him. I've really, I've really only been into him for about a year, maybe just over right around there. Um, so this, yeah, this is all pretty new. Uh, so I just, I don't know, I think it was just, uh, you know, the sort of accumulation of hearing all of this stuff about him and hearing so many different opinions and so much praise and all, you know, the constant, you know, talk of him being a genius and just wanting to understand why, why people are saying that. Because, you know, I'd only heard, like, Jesus walks and Runaway, and, you know, I didn't know what to make of him just off of that. So... Just after hearing all that, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dive in and just figure out for myself how I feel about this guy. Mm-hmm. So I do, I got all the albums, and I just went through chronologically, starting with Call of Strap out, ending with Jesus, and just went through and just listened over the period of, I don't know, one or two weeks, and just took it all in. Um, and which I, I'm glad I did, and I think I think tracking his journey is helpful. Um. But, yeah, I think the first... I was a little confused at first because College Dropout and Late Registration are, you know, which you guys have been talking about, uh, were... I I like them, but I I had trouble with... I still didn't get, like, why people were saying this guy was a genius, why he was, like, the greatest producer alive. Because for me, College Dropout and Late Registration are solid hip-hop albums, but that's kind of all they were to me. Uh, and I, to a degree, I, I still feel that way outside of certain tracks. But I think those are merely really good hip-hop albums. And I think after those is when he really <laughs> graduated to, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Kanye that we know now. Then the Kanye that I I got, you know? Yeah. I think it was, I, I will say that there was one key song where, because I, I listened to all of College Dropout, liked it. And then on late registration, for most of it, I was still like, yeah, kind of more the same. But then uh, Addiction came, and that one kind of snuck up on me, I, really only for musical reasons, just because I think the, you know, the beat and the sample and everything is really unbelievable on that song. But uh, then you get to Diamonds from Sierra Leone, and that's, that was the moment for me. That was when I was like, okay, I get it. That was right there. Like, seriously, the first time I listened to that song, I just started thinking about him in a different way. I started thinking about hip-hop in a different way, sampling everything. Like, that song just kind of blew me away.
2: That's awesome.
0: And what about it in particular?
1: I, I mean, I remember actually messaging you about it. I should have pulled that up. <laughs> like, just read it and you don't have to say it. No, no well, okay. I, the big,
0: the thing for me about that song was the, the contrast between the sample that he chose and the lyrics that he's rapping. The you know using the Shirley Bassey diamonds are forever sample, which is this song, sort of you know it's like it's it's a lament about her relationships and men and everything, but it's also extolling the virtues of diamonds and how they'll last forever and how they'll never fade even when her men do. Mm -hmm. But then Kanye comes in with this line about where diamonds come from and how you know like conflict diamonds in Sierra Leone um, and how that connects to his life and what he's going through the i i have the verse if i can just read it if you want Um, yeah okay so this is this was like the verse where he says um though it's thousands of miles away sierra leone connects to what we go through today over here is a drug trade we die from drugs over there they die from what we buy from drugs the diamonds the chains the bracelets the charms is Uh, i thought my jesus piece was so harmless till i seen a picture of a shorty armless and here's the conflict it's in a black person's soul to rock that gold. Spend your whole life trying to get that ice. Bought a polo rugby. It looks so nice. How can something so wrong make me feel so right? That fucking verse just... I feel... I just felt like my head exploded or something. Just the contrast between that and, and using, a, you know... a the pop culture significance of that sample, connecting those two contrasts, in and in a, through a verse where he's talking about how what he's going through is connected to what these other people are going through in this other part of the world, and the problems in that whole cycle, it's un, it's unbelievably connected and, and cyclical. and it, It's like a perk for me. It's a, a perfect match of format content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Even though I
1: we've talked about, like, a lot of his songs, I great. I still think it's something he does pretty consistently, like, even on his first album. I think he's, like, very conscious of the beats he samples, and even more so in his own album, because I can think of stuff like him. I feel like the stuff he does with, like, Jay-Z isn't always like that, and it probably right. isn't really like that until Blueprint 3, but, like, I just feel like sometimes he's, like, with Jay-Z, he's on, like, robot mode, like, it's just, it's just repeating, like, soul music, like, over and over, and it, like, doesn't really connect, but you're right, well, something like Sierra alone, like, it's undeniable, like, what he's doing, like, it's, it's, there's a theme coming out of his samples that's really impressive.
0: Right, and that's what, that's what did it, because I'll say, like, before Kanye, I came from, my background was... I was really into like underground hip hop. I was one of those like stupid people that was, you know, all against like pop music and pop rap, and I just I wasn't into any of that. And I was like, I thought I was you know so much better with my you know Jedi Mind Tricks and Nas and all that whatever. And then I, so like the first two albums, I was like, yeah, you know, it's good, but the the the, the, like, the samples and the beats and everything don't really sound that different from like what Stoop the enemy of mankind did with Jedi Mind Tricks with that you know like Chipmunk Soul sound and everything. And then I I thought, you know, again, from like the stupid person background where like I was so I I was so cut off on this idea of hip hop as like this binary thing where it's like beat and rapping and how good is the rap? How good is the beat? And, you know, like just as like these two separate things where it's like the, the beat just had to sound good and it didn't really matter if it was connected to what was being said through the song. And all I really cared about in the raps was just like technical flow and stuff, which looking back is so empty. And I mean, I, I, I can still listen to and appreciate a really amazing flow, um, and I can still listen to you know, and appreciate you know really good beats musically. I, I love that stuff. But when I when I got to Sierra Leone, I was like, oh shit this can be so much more than how I was thinking of it. <laughs> yeah. This can be, you know, you can express things through music just like you could through a movie or, you know, any other form of art. It's these ideas and themes, I don't know. I-, I feel so stupid for not getting it for so long, <laughs> you know. But it, it really, it, it kind of changed, and not to sound like dramatic, but it kind of changed my life. I mean, just, it's something that I love as much as music to just all of a sudden see it so... With such, like, new eyes. And everything just starts to sound and feel different after you you have that, you know? Yeah, he kind of ruined, like, music for
1: me, like, period, for a while. Exactly. Like, people yeah. aren't doing this. God damn Right. It.
0: <laughs> the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your
1: regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
2: Yeah, I, I've been, like, crippled musically for a long time because I just don't find anything that's sort of on the level of depth that Kanye has. Like, I'll go back and listen to, like, Black Star's album and, like, Kendrick stuff, and be like, okay, this is getting at the, like, the fullness that I want from music, but it's hard to, like, listen to rock music that's not doing that, to, like, other hip-hop music that's not doing that, to just standard pop. Like, I've found myself, like, going back to a lot of classical music just to, like, get that sort of depth of what's going on. Mm -hmm.
0: And I I will say, like, right now I'm in a phase where I I think... Kanye was sort of like this gateway drug where I, I started getting into, he kind of, because he changes the way I look at stuff. Now I have been going in and and listening to a lot of other pop music and, uh, you know, stuff just, I wrote off before. And I'm, so I'm going through a phase right now, especially where I'm listening to a lot of pop, like Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Kesha, all that stuff, uh, which is most of which is, I I love, but there's, there's so much stuff in, in pop where they do, they deliver very overt social messages, um, which is fine and I'm glad they're doing it but when I'm listening to it it's so it's so much less interesting than the way someone like Kanye does it where it's not so not always so overt and it's much more tied into him and his personality and, and what he goes through and he creates parallels between himself and these different these larger themes that he wants to explore which to me is so much more mature and complex than just talking about you know equality and Feminism and stuff Which is all great And I agree with all that stuff But it's just there, There's there's a level of didacticism When you're dealing with it overtly That I don't get from Kanye I feel like you're referring to Like Beyonce Because <laughs> yeah. that's how I've always felt About her In like Her best <laughs> albums I'm kind of like Man like I, 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 Full disclosure I just listened to her Self titled album For the first time today And that's fresh on my mind Right now And uh Yeah they were, I, It was a very frustrating Experience for me <laughs> yeah, I like some of the stuff in that album, like, I think her takes on, like,
1: like she presents love, I think, in a way, like, in a mature way, and that's kind of refreshing. But at the same time, like, the feminist stuff, like, it's so blunt and on the nose and self-aggrandizing and everything, like, I right. I almost, like, can't, it it doesn't make me cringe, but at the same, I guess, I yeah, I'm, like, kind of bored by it, like, I couldn't it's- care it.
0: It's just another thing where it's like I said, you know, I, I'm I'm glad that she's doing it. I, I'm glad that somebody with her, you know, mainstream f- fame is out there just giving these, you know, blatantly and, you know, overtly feminist messages, actually even using the word, which is rare. Um, and that's great and, and that's awesome. But when you're coming from a spotlight, you know, like I am where I already, like, understand this stuff and I agree with her already, listening yeah. to those messages starts to feel just really... Unengaging And very, yeah, just boring. I, you know, I, I feel like I've got this. Like, what's the next step? You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that gets into the thing of uh, wanting different, uh, markets isn't the right word, but various voices. Like, Beyonce probably needs to be the voice that's being overt because she right. has the popularity and can hammer the message home but right. that means that there is room for an artist that's going to come in and do what Kanye's doing. Like, Kanye he- could let Jay-Z do all the, like, I have money and bitches and hoes, <laughs> and he can come in and deliver, like, like art in a way that nobody else Something is. Something pointed.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it doesn't it also doesn't help her case that not, not only that, but there are other artists out there, t- at, at the same time, she is exploring similar themes in, I think, more interesting, entertaining, engaging ways. Like, I think Miley Cyrus and Nicki Minaj are much more interesting, you know, feminist artists out there right now, for me. Uh, It's because they're, yeah, it's dealing with it overtly, but it's also dealing with it more confidently, with a more, I I think I just respond to the whole sort of punk rock aesthetic that they project, which there's like a defiance and uh, humor to it that I don't get from Beyonce. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: I mean, I totally agree with that. You're you're making a great point about like pop music in general and how it's able to kind of capture that energy that Connie has. I actually feel that way about Kesha. Like, oh, yeah. I would compare like a Kesha album to a Beyonce album. Ask you to like really listen to the music going on and like how it really feeds in because I think Kesha. Like, I'm I'm with you. I'm on a pop cake and I'm listening to like Animal and stuff. And oh yeah. I think like there's personality to the music that lends to, like, a greater story kind of going on throughout the album. Like, there's defiance, there's, like, this general attitude towards, like, these, like, gender politics and, like, there's a fierceness to it that I don't think, like, needs to be stated, like, actively at every
0: song, like Beyoncé kind of does. I think just, just, and maybe this is subjective, but for me... I, when I, I when I listen to Kesha or Nicki Minaj, there's such a there's such a personality that comes through. Or same thing with Miley Cyrus, where I feel like Beyonce, I don't really get so much of that personality. With Beyonce, I get more just the overt themes and these you know ideas about love and about sex and about feminism and all that stuff. But I don't get the 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 personal narrative. I don't mm-hmm. get the personal struggle, which I think is a much more persuasive case for feminism because you're listening to a powerful woman exert her personality when you're listening to Kesha or Nicki Minaj or Miley Cyrus. And and I think with Beyonce, that feels very manufactured to me. It feels like she's trying so hard to tell you that about herself and what she believes in that it just doesn't come through naturally. You wind up hearing the point and not the artist. You know what I mean? And where, with someone like Kesha, she just has so much nat- you know, natural charisma and personality that it, that is what comes through, and then that's the strength that registers. She doesn't need to tell you she's strong all the time, because you can hear it when she sings. Yeah, exactly.
2: I feel like it's almost a difference between, like, a, like Beyonce's sort of set up like a superhero like Superman, mm-hmm. where it's this sort of ideal that really isn't achievable by anyone, but that doesn't mean, like, what she's singing about is an ideal that or, like, this persona that people can look to be at, like, the top, top, upper tier, where the other artists are more of a Peter Parker, Spider-Man kind of real person, real struggles, like, flawed and has weaknesses, kind of. Right.
0: Um, Yeah. And also, it's just, and not afraid to have fun with it. And that's, and I, I, that is such a, for me, such a lacking part in like the Beyoncé thing, where it feels so serious all the time, you know. Kanye has fun. Oh hell yeah!
2: Kanye <laughs> does have fun. Her
0: new workout plan. <laughs> oh, God,
2: such a weird
1: song. I can't song. Wait to talk about that song.
2: Well, so you loving uh, diamonds for Sierra Leone. Um, did it blow your mind when you then heard Blood on the Leaves? Was that the next evolution? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, by, by that time I got there, I'd heard, you know, his other stuff, and I'd, I'd kind of fallen in love, so I was kind of, you know, already on, on board with that whole thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Blood on the Leaves, the, cho- the choice of sample in that song is really devastating, honestly. I mean, I, I mean that's some, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I know you guys are going to talk about it, but that's something about Jesus that, that whole album, that there's such a, there's so many ways that you can listen to it, where I feel like a song like Blood on the Leaves, or any song on that album, if you can sit down and really listen to it intently and just feel kind of emotionally destroyed you know what i mean the, <laughs> there's such a it just it, it's 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 i don't know if i'd say profound i think it's profound but it has like this really almost debilitating effect because there's so much power and and despair and and you know, social analysis on what he's talking about. But at the same time, you could also just play that song, you know, when you're driving, play that album when you're driving in your car and turn it up and just rock out. And like how, that, I, I can, I don't think I can name ten albums that I feel that way about. You know what I mean? <laughs> that can do both depending on how you're feeling.
2: Yeah, like, I love driving and listening to like Can't Hold My Liquor, but then if I, like, were to sit there and listen to Can't Hold My Liquor, I'd maybe start to cry for both people oh, involved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to actually. I was about to mention "Can't Hold My Liquor" because I always thought that was the most devastating song on the album, and in a lot of ways it is. Um, but in the context of the album, it becomes a lot more devastating. When which is why Jesus still blows my mind, and why I'm turning off albums like halfway through half the time, because like I'm not getting this giant narrative building throughout, and I'm not these songs are gaining emphasis like in the middle all of a sudden because of the song surrounding it. And I've kind of grown to love Blood and the Leaves that way, where that song really is kind of, like, heartbreaking on the album. And to see him switch, like, there's an dichotomy in the song where you have the beginning that's kind of soft and somber, and then it gets fierce, and he's, like, yelling at, like, Jay-Z and everything. Like, you could just feel, like, the character in that album, like, gaining personality and, like, be- like transforming, and it's crazy. Like, it's it's so...
0: Like it makes me feel human. Like, I, like, right. I connect with it so much. I'm tempted to say at this point for me that the most uh, emotional, devastating tracks, even though "Hold My Liquor" is my favorite, I think the, I think uh, "I Am a God" and "I'm in It" tend to be the ones oh, that, God. for me, are the most that hit me the hardest. And I think it's just because you, the, you know, like that, that the anguish that he's expressing through that character, the, the ang- you can feel it, you can feel what that character is feeling, and that we just through little little lines and and touches that he does musically.
2: Yeah, I would say I Am a God is probably one of the most misunderstood songs. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, Songs ever.
2: Yeah, it just... Everybody thinks it's him being, like... It's more braggadocio, but it's actually just... It's high irony. It's his character breaking down. Yep. Ugh. Literally,
1: by the end.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it just... It devolves into screams, (laughs) like... Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't hear any... Not even just rap
0: music. You don't hear doing that, like yeah. especially someone like Kanye, who's
1: one album of the year, who, who like can pretty much like do whatever he wants, can probably make radio hits for the rest of his life if he really wants to. But no, he's making something like this, where
0: like he's running through the streets and like screaming, and like it's fucking nuts, right? Like how can you how how, how can you just say that that song is just braggadocio and him, literally saying that he's a god and you know the greatest ever, like a thousand other rap songs, when it ends with him screaming like he's trapped like he can't escape from what he's created I mean that's it's unbelievable yeah
2: Yeah. and plus the contrast between saying like I am a god and then he keeps asking people for things and as far as we know none of them are delivered like he can't even (laughs) get fucking croissants like
1: with my damn menage yeah Yeah. it's
2: amazing it's god Jesus is so fucking good
1: yeah it is (laughs) Wow. I didn't think we'd
0: ever get in to use this before, but this is good. I feel you're good. welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: been wait I've been waiting so long. I can feel it. Like when I'm listening to you guys talk about College Dropout, but I'm like, you're just dying right now, aren't you? <laughs> just waiting to bust out of this.
2: yeah. Uh, yeah it's,
0: it's a little torturous.
2: I'm because <laughs> eight hundred eight is gonna be the first, like, really exciting full album for me. I guess not so much for Travis, but
0: You should not be skipping graduation. Well that. graduation oh. for me. Yeah, yeah, we're not that's, gonna skip, but no, I mean you shouldn't be saying that'll be the first interesting one because graduation is fantastic.
2: Yeah, I need to go back through. Graduation's the one album that's never like, like resonated with me, and maybe maybe that's just because I spent so long. I I had never really appreciated Kanye's first three albums until like last year, year and a half ago, and then I finally went back and re-listened and was like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> um, But Graduation was still the one where there were still, like, songs on it where I was like, yeah, this is phenomenal. But then there were more so where I was just, like, overall with the album, like, eh.
1: Yeah, that's, so maybe going through that and 808s will be good for us. Because I think that album, and we'll, maybe you'll you'll realize it once we get through it. But me, personally, I feel, I hear a thematic storyline throughout that album. That yep. I think is the first time he does it, the first glimpse we get it from him. And it kind of starts with this, like, good morning, like, graduation sort of thing, and kind of ends with it's this journey about him, like, going away from home and getting sucked up in, like, the stardom, and then realizing how, like, debilitating it can be, and then trying to go back home okay. and sort of being denied, and then going back to Jay Z, um, where it's just where it all started, and, like, kind of the. Fall out of them like it all adds up to me somehow in this very like not a linear storyline but a thematic one that tells a story about a character it's probably the most
0: personal one i think he's made okay because so- i think he gets into like these characters he creates more in the other albums i think a lot of people might disagree with the statement but i mean for me i consider graduation like the birth of kanye as we know him now
2: Nice, because I... Shooting out of that cannon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> I,
2: I missed uh, the narrative stuff, because I just heard, like... it was To me, it was the album that had the most, like, just bragging, like, superficial bragging. But mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that context of the bragging's part of the narrative. The same way in Yeezus, there's, like... Right. A couple sections where, like, the bragging's part of the narrative.
1: I With, realized it, actually, when I heard Drunk and Hot Girls... Which forever I was like, that's the worst Kanye song. Like that's yeah, terrible. I'm still kind of there, but <laughs> not I, the worst. But. Right? I but I. It's this weird case where like I may not love the song, but I kind of love it on the album. And if you listen to it like the right set of ears, like maybe it's, it's just how I listen to it now. It sounds a little ironic. It sounds like he's not really bragging about drunken hot girls. It kind of sounds like. It should be amazing, like, drunken hot girl, like, this is great, but the way he's seen it is almost like, it's, like, sad and tragic, and somebody who thought it would be amazing but is, like, kind of bored with it. Right. Yeah. And that's what I get from it, like, thematic, like, the storyline thematically, like, I feel like it's moving through a character somehow.
2: Okay, so he's recognizing, like, the hollowness of it.
0: I think so. I guess we'll find out when we listen to it and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. There's... There's one line at the beginning on, on the first song on that album, the "Good Morning," I think that's what it's called. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I, that setup that was the first seed for me. That set up, I think, what is maybe to me the most fascinating theme in all of Kanye's art, um, which is this idea of what like wealth and fame and braggadocio, all that stuff means to like you know the the black experience in America and hip hop. Um, and also feel, and then the, as as he gets to Yeezus, starting to feel now that he's a, attained it, now is starting to feel dissatisfied even by that, mm-hmm. um, which is at the beginning when he says, um, "I'm like the fly Malcolm X by any genes necessary," which he the way he is tying in fashion to civil rights right there, mm-hmm. that that was <laughs> like another moment for me where I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> where you know what I mean? Just stuff started to make sense to me. And it also probably helped that um, a, a little bit before this, I was I was reading um, The Resistance by Armand White, which is a, an amazing book. Um, but he also he talks about he talks he does a, he talks a lot about uh, you know like eighties and nineties hip hop in that book, um, and he just that's one of the themes that 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 book really clarified for me is this idea of you know. Because even though I, I I liked rap a lot, I never really understood the social context of all that bravado, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is this, something people always bag on rap and, and rappers for. So they're so, you know, egotistical and whatever. But it's like there's a, there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? There's There's a reason when you're when your whole people is oppressed by a society, you're, you're going, you you are expressing yourself and finding your, your self-worth and things that you can control. So when you are, when you think that you're an amazing rapper, when you have, you know, tons of money, when you have, you know, all this swag and blame, whatever, that's a way of saying, you know, despite whatever you think of me, I fucking, I'm here, I'm succeeding, I'm successful. You cannot hold me down. You know what I mean? And that, that, was a, a huge insight for me, and once I got that, uh, you know, everything started to make sense, and then for Kanye to, you know, actually tie that into civil rights in such a concrete way like that, and then, you know, I, I'm sure it will get to it with Jesus and everything later, but yeah, just that, the way he says, yeah, I got that, but now even that's not enough? Mm-hmm. That uh, That's amazing, and I think that's, a, that's a, a level of self-analysis and introspection that I don't get from a lot of other hip-hop, or I don't think really any hip-hop. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's you mentioned the the kind of mixing of like the Malcolm X by Angie's necessary. Like that's one of the moments I fell in love with I'm in it, when he mm-hmm. says, um, Oh that's the best line put my do. fist center like a civil rights sign. Fuck yeah. He to me, like <laughs> well I think the best line in the album is when he says Jesus just rose again. Uh, which is yes. hilarious to me. But even and both those lines really, like you there's this mix like there's this rawness like to the political message he's he has throughout the album and at the same time like he, you have this like theme of sexual addiction and right. he combines both of those in this moment and i'm like oh my fucking god like this guy is building like all of this imagery and themes throughout the album and like culminating with this line
0: like nobody's doing this and not just culminating with the line, but he builds up all of that sexual bravado throughout the song, and then the chorus is "I'm in it and I can't get out." Right. The, adding that "I can't get out" is such a clarifying, you know, piece of context that, I, again, I feel like a lot, a lot of other artists are not going that level. They're getting that first level, but then they're not willing to go further and question, you know, what that actually means. Yeah. It's
2: Beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs>
0: god like there's not just there aren't just you know a narrative and thematic arc to the albums but if all the albums put together makes a larger mm-hmm. one like that's unbelievable
1: yeah that that's i mean that's the most exciting part for me doing all this is kind of watching kanye's growth as an artist and really seeing like individual songs like taking it down to like an atomic level and seeing like how he shifts and like perspectives and how he like grows in the way he talks about elitism and brands and like it just fascinates me. Like, building up all the way to all day, I'm like, holy shit, like, compare yeah. all day to something, like, we don't care. Like, right. the way he's talking about fashion and, like, the power it holds over kids, like,
0: it's crazy, like, where
1: he's gone with that stuff.
0: I think that, and again, there's, for me, there's one line in all day, uh, which I think is the real, I, I think is going to be a, a hint of a big theme on the album, and as a big, it, it, for me, it's like the logical next step after Jesus, after the way Jesus questions all of that, you know, uh, bravado stuff in a personal way, um, where he says that. Uh, which, for me, is maybe my favorite line in any Kanye song, or very close to it, uh, which is the uh, "like a light skinned slave boy we in the motherfucking house," okay. which is <laughs> crazy. Like this idea of that. Yeah, that it, it's almost to me. It's almost like hinting at this idea of that. You know, Kanye and. and is like being accepted now by like this mainstream sort of in a way white culture as this you know amazing artist or whatever but at the same time it's like there's it's still uh, underneath this system of oppression by being in there you know what i mean like yeah. it's unbelievable
1: step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family Tannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday,
2: I will call upon you to do a
1: service for me. Play The Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's
1: really funny. Those are all themes we've talked about, and it's like, Especially the first three songs on College Dropout, it's very heavy on that stuff and this sort of uh, defeat, defeat he has like on there, and like even when he's like working at the Gap, like that's the way he feels. It. Like it's it's great, and I think we've talked about like that's what makes us so sort of relate to him a lot more than most hip hop artists. Like I don't know, I've been trying really hard to like Jay Z as we've covered in this <laughs> podcast, and I have trouble with it. Like not just because he's somebody who seems about being in the streets, but, like, just the way he talks about himself and then the mm-hmm. context of himself um, and not in any sort of, like, narrative form. Like, sometimes he gets into narrative stuff, but, like, not in the way Kanye does and not in the way it's sectioned and structured. And it, It's
0: it's crazy, and it drives me nuts if people don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there. I mean, I, I don't know, and I have trouble with not just Jay-Z, but a lot of rap that, that is still, you know... Uh, that modern rap that is talking about like the streets and ghetto life and stuff, and it's not because that it's not valid, of course. It's just that I think that there's so much uh, like the stuff in the '90s already covered so much of that stuff in so much clarity and, and depth that now I kind of feel like I, I, it, again it kind of kind of brings me back to like the Beyonce thing of feminism. It's like, well, what's what's the next step now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, w- at what point are we just you know going over the same ground? with someone like Nas covered on Illmatic. I mean, for like. When I was a kid, like first getting into hip hop, uh, "Life's a Bitch" was like the one of the most like amazing moments of my life. <laughs> because you know, I came from like the middle of nowhere, small town in the Midwest. I had I was so far from this life. You know what I mean? I, I had no understanding of what that kind of life was like. And then to listen to Nas talk about life in, in, in the ghetto and, and "Life's a Bitch" and and not just and not just you know the what, you, what you're used to hearing about life, like the crime and the guns and the drugs and whatever, but to, to give like a, a, a reason why, just by saying, you know, basically this idea that, you know, you, you feel like everyone around you is dying and you're going to die tomorrow anyway, so what does it matter what we do? This, this idea of, of um, you know, this expressing why life feels meat like cheap and, and why this sort of nihilism happens you know, in this like personal, soci- like socially sociological way, that for me, again as a kid, I was like that was like the first real moment of insight I got in from really almost any piece of music. One of the that was one of the big ones for me. That was a totally off topic tangent. But <laughs> we want to know your story. eh? It's okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all it all feeds into it because I mean that was something that you you connected with uh, insightful music early on, and then found yourself sort of in a like a not a desert, but like a just a repetitious landscape where it's like I'm waiting for something new and then to find something like what Kanye's doing, it really expresses how there is a need for artists to move beyond what other people are currently talk about talking about. Right. It'd be like right. you know, every every painter does a still life at some point. And because it's Such a common theme, you get to see that the style shift. Like Escher's still life is different than Picasso's still life. Um, But that doesn't mean that painters should continually paint still lives, right? (laughs) Like you need Escher and Picasso to move beyond that and to paint the things that are like most important to them. And um, maybe Jay Z is like the epitome of that, like braggadocio, but we need other people to do other music and talk about other things where I feel like a lot of hip-hop artists just think, like, that's what they need to say. Like, how they have guns, how they have money, how they have jewels, when... No, like, if Drake's going to be, like, a little emotional guy, you need Drake to be the little emotional guy. Like...
0: <laughs> but, and, this is, and this is why, you know, I think it's so important for artists and critics, too, to be, you know, art literate. Because if you don't, if you don't know, you know, what's preceded you, are you gonna know where to go like how are you like how are you gonna know what you're saying is anything new or insightful if, if somebody if you don't know what's been said before you know what i mean and that's why i think that's another subject but you know that's i, I think that's that's a, a, an important thing to have when you're making an understanding art yeah and i think that's what we've said about connie actually like he was saying stuff we had never
1: heard before like <laughs> how many rappers like rapped about breaking at the gap like
2: that's kind of
1: simple and like maybe a little superficial but like at the same time like i've never heard that like that's interesting to me
2: Uh yeah and well and that gets at some of the beauty of like um oh i'm forgetting the track name on 808 where he talks about like um welcome to heartbreak where he's just like you know he showing like he's getting shown pictures of his friends' kids and all he could show is pictures of his cribs. Like he's bragging, but looking at like the hollowness of that life in a way right. that like I don't think other people <laughs> right. The, the delivery contest
0: context of that line seems like reversed from what you'd hear from most songs. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a downward um, energy rather than upward energy. Right. Well, uh, VMAs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we
0: should talk about the VMAs. <laughs> great, you great. <laughs> Most of it was great, almost all of it was great. Um, I
1: actually, there were, I wasn't into a lot of the performances, actually. It was, was about 50-50 for me, I think. Okay, I was going to say, some, the ones I liked were not the ones I was expecting to like. Yeah. Um, uh, Demi Lovato. Oh, and... I even like Nick Jonas. Like I'm into that song, and I think he's doing some cool
0: stuff. You guys, uh, I I should. I I just need to admit that. uh, And like the within like three or four days after I got it, uh, "Cool for the Summer" was the number one most played song on my iPod of all time. (laughs) I think I listened to it like a hundred times, literally. So (laughs) I've been listening to it a lot too. It's a great song. I just (laughs) there there are times when I'll just like sit. I'll just sit at my desk, do whatever, and I'll just have it literally on repeat for, like, two hours at a time. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I have a little guitar riff in it.
2: I haven't oh, heard the song.
0: It's all, oh my god, you're missing out, man.
2: Yeah, I feel like I'm on the, on the <laughs> lame end of things.
0: The Nicki Minaj
1: performance is pretty great, too. I thought it was good, but I wasn't in the Taylor coming out. It, like, maybe it's yeah. a different thing, like like beef or whatever and it was just right. like, it felt stupid and manufactured
0: to me I agree but that's probably colored by my feelings on Taylor Swift but <laughs> yeah I'm not crazy about her I'm okay yeah. with
1: some stuff on 1989 but I don't think she's ever made like a good album um, but I guess we should talk about Kanye to be a mess <laughs> <laughs> he was really digging
2: The weekend. oh yeah that's right I, I didn't actually watch him. the entire thing. I just watched performances and speeches and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. There's been a video that's been circulating of, like, Kanye dancing to The weekend. Yep. Um, he, like, just stood up and started dancing while everybody else just <laughs> sitting. Uh, what I really so liked good. was that I watched Kim's face carefully, and she never <laughs> once showed, like, unease or displeasure. Like, she, she didn't show that she was, like, excited, but she kept, like, a neutral, like, yeah, Kanye's doing Kanye things. That made me happy. I feel like he's taken care of.
1: <laughs> okay. Maybe we should do Kim Kardashian updates on here. I'm surprised you haven't been, honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah, what Just, have we been thinking?
0: Well, a, a lot of the Northwest news ends up being Kim Kardashian news, I feel like. That matching outfit one? Adorable. Oh, that's our, <laughs> don't spoil our Northwest updates.
2: Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, you know, I, I haven't listened to Kanye's speech or read it. Oh, what? Yeah.
0: Dude, we do a po- Kanye West podcast. Too. I know. We should probably stop this right now.
2: <laughs> I know. Part of me was, like, really nervous because I just heard he gave a speech and people were like, it's weird. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm nervous. <laughs> it's and, and unbelievable. Then I, yeah, I haven't gone back and listened to it.
0: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think my favorite part was that it begins with like three minutes of just silence, You're just standing there listening to cheers. Yeah, like, it's pretty amazing. Um, I was telling, I was saying
1: this before the podcast, but I, uh, I hadn't seen the video. I'd only because I don't have TV and everything, and I couldn't find a way to, you know, get it online. <laughs> so um, I read the speech the next morning, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is like fucking great. Like it's so poignant, so like down to earth and it's stuff like what it, you don't hear people from his position usually saying like it's not like politically correct it's not like uh, safe like it's really out there and it's calling people out and saying what he thinks and I loved it and when I read it on paper it reads it doesn't read like a Kanye West speech <laughs> it's like sort of uh, it's very uh, focused and it might jump around a little bit but it still gets at a larger point and then there's like a narrative to it and then I listened to him give the speech <laughs> and I kind of got what people were saying <laughs> it's, it's really random and sporadic like in the way he's delivering it and it made me like think like okay this is why oh god it they're done yeah. oh, god. oh god. <laughs> dude it's like 13 minutes long yeah, you probably
2: I uh, no. I was trying to read the transcripts, and um, yeah, that's a uh, oh, like
0: video about it.
2: The audio video or auto video.
0: I like it. It's pure, just I mean, it's just completely unfiltered stream of consciousness honesty. It's it's incredible. I, like, did you did you read like the the backstory of what he was supposed to do at, at the show? I have no idea, actually. Okay, so he actually they, they thought he was going to perform. Like, he was originally going to perform a a medley of songs. Oh. And right, I guess, seriously, like, minutes before he was about to be presented, he just told them, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm just going to talk. So this was completely unplanned. Like, he just walked up there and just started talking instead.
2: That's awesome.
0: That is great, although I want to hear that medley. Oh, I know. I was actually really disappointed because I thought he was going to perform at some point, too, and that never happened. Damn, I did, too. I even told... My girlfriend, that
1: I was like, he's gonna do it medley like they do yeah. it every year
0: now, he's gonna be him. Uh, but I, I mean, well, it was okay though, just because I liked I, I love the whole show. I don't know, I don't know how deep we want to get into that whole thing, but uh, <laughs> I, there's a lot going on for me at that show. Well, we could definitely get into it. Um, <laughs> you sure? <laughs>
1: I, I don't give a shit. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> we can talk about we can keep talking about Kanye's kind of speech, or we can talk about Miley, like, I don't know. I don't know i actually I can, what do you think about the nikki miley thing do
0: you think it was real uh from what i've heard it, it was and it seemed real um i mean i know i, I saw like what she said about Nicki right before which i don't is, even though guys I'll, i'm totally team miley but uh I, got, uh I i i'm not really on her side with i think she kind of missed the point of that whole thing oh yeah but, it's it was completely stupid <laughs> yeah which it pains me to say because i love her but oh well but uh, yeah I, I had like a big I don't know I've been, I've been going through a, a real uh, epiphany lately with uh, with pop culture and how I fit into all of it I don't know there was a lot there's a lot happening for me at that show what about Miley like really speaks to you it well it, it's something it's not just her it, it's like the whole larger pop culture at the moment and like youth culture because well just like the background like when I My whole life growing up, I've I've always been like this, it sounds so stupid to say, but like, you know, an outsider, I guess. And I I hate when people say that, but um, (laughs) I just like when I was, you know, when I was in high school and everything, I was honestly, I was like a goth in high school and I just listened to like uh, grunge music and Radiohead and then I got really into metal and I'm still really into metal somewhat, um, but I just, I, I never felt like I could relate to the majority of People and people my age and what was going on in the culture, you know, I just felt uh, like I didn't get it. Like that wasn't me. Like I couldn't relate to the, like the kind of music and new movies and fashion and stuff people were into, right? Right. And lately, I've been finding this weird thing where I feel like I'm reversing where now I'm not I'm struggling to relate to like the alternative culture yeah. and all of a sudden like all the the stuff in the alternative culture just feels really uninteresting to me like the music like a lot of alternative music and everything I'm not connecting with with what's coming out now like it all feels very safe and yeah. and stale to me and then all of a sudden I'm finding when I'm listening to like Miley Cyrus, Kanye West and I'm watching the VMAs and I'm seeing all these like young people like have you know talk about their beliefs and and themselves and and how they want the world to be and their and how they they're using their platform to and, you know not that artists haven't used their platform to you know say important things forever but just I don't know when I'm hearing uh, just someone like Miley Cyrus talk about you know transgender gay bisexual acceptance and equality and and. And, but in a way that's also not being, like, politically correct about it necessarily, where she's also just being really, like, defiant with her sexuality and her personality. And the way that all that stuff is connected, and it's connected into the art that they're making also, I, I – I, for the first time, I feel like I get this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is – I can relate to this. This is something I feel like I can and want to be a part of. Yeah. Which is – really uh, like a new weird thing for me because <laughs> i've literally never felt this my entire
1: life oh my so. God. i i feel like you're saying i i feel the exact same way it's been happening to me the last like couple years too and i don't know why like like i'll tell my friends like yeah i love the new like carly race song or something and they look at me like i'm a fucking moron <laughs> like what are you talking about like they they're a lot of my friends aren't at that stage and maybe the just some way, like, our worldviews, like, we won't ever be at that level, but, like, I've had that shift where I went from, like, the sort of alternative indie stuff where I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to like, like, this is different, this is what, like, you get into when you, like, reach, like, 20 or whatever, and, like, that was kind of, like, my journey. I never really got into, like, music or movies until, like, I got to college, but I have had this shift where, and I and I... And I agree with you. I feel that the VMAs, like, there's this presence, like, this collective right. presence. And Kanye even gets at it. He says, like, listen to the kids. Like, yes, I think he gets it, too. And I think right. maybe that's... I wonder if that's
0: fueled, the, like, the direction oh, he, of his music or something. Like, he, I mean, he pretty much, like, blatantly said it. He's like, you know, we're, we're the millennials, and we're not going to teach our kids to feel bad about themselves like our parents did, you know? I mean... It, that that I mean that that's the thing like I it, it's 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 such an extreme shift for me when I think about it because I mean I when I was in high school I mean I was pretty much a flat out misanthrope. throat. like yeah. I hated everybody I hated everything <laughs> and I just I didn't want I, I, I hated being around people and all I wanted to do was just be by myself and with my girlfriend and that was it you know and like I just I would just watch like movies it was really just like the like the goriest horror movies I could find <laughs> and stuff because it was just it felt like a release or something you know what I mean yeah. like I just. It, it, it was just like it was bad, <laughs> but now it's like I, I, I've gone from wanting to just like separate myself to all of a sudden feeling like I can't live that way. Like I feel, I, I feel like I care. I, I, I've have I, started to just like care about people and the world and the state <laughs> of the world and people are in, and I care about how other people feel, and I care about how I fit in with with you know, society, not not fit in, but how I'm connected to it. And I'm not, I can't, I can't just, I can't live with just isolating myself anymore. Like, I feel like I have to be a part of it because I'm a part of it, whether I want to be or not, which is something I never understood or cared about before. And now it's, and the weird thing is, like, I was talking earlier about how, like in in hip hop and and black music, you know, there's this whole sense of self-empowerment because you, you have to empower yourself because society is not going to do that for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, like now I feel like the stuff that, like the art that I tend to be able to relate to and find meaning in is stuff that comes from like, uh, like from a black background or from like a a feminist background, backgrounds where the, you know, the, the artists feel like they are their own power. They are their own, you know, inspiration, and they they have they have to make that themselves because, like I said, the world's not going to. But like all the music I came from, like all this rock and, and metal and stuff, it it comes from a very uh, generally a, a very like white place, right? And I, I realized a while ago, <coughs> excuse me, where it, it, if you know, like the 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 stuff from the, like the the classes that are being oppressed, you know, like music from women and music from uh, you know minorities. If that stuff is self-empowerment, well, then what is the white stuff, right? Like, the white stuff is basically this music that's coming from this sort of ruling class. And if you look at, you know, a, a lot of white music, a, a lot of rock music, there's such a sense of self-loathing pervading all of it. Like, all the stuff that was big in the 90s, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that stuff, there's there's such a sense of just hatred for, for yourself and this darkness for how you feel about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's just, it, it, it's very, uh, kind of mopey. And, you know, and it's <laughs> it's fine. I, I mean, that's valuable. I got a lot out of that when I was a teenager. But, like, when I listen to that stuff now, I feel like it's all still kind of in the same place. Like, it's coming from this place of ruling class ennui. And I feel like that's not interesting to me anymore. You know, like that, I, I don't feel, I, I, don't, I don't feel... Worth or or depth or importance from that anymore. That it feels very narcissistic and very aimless to me now. You know, I I feel like I want to be a part of the other side. I want to be a part of the side that's saying fuck that. You know, I I have worth, and I don't care how you feel about me. I, I you know like all like Nicki Minaj and Kanye talk about you know loving their haters, and their haters give them just as much inspiration as all the people that love them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's Amazing. Like, I, you, you would never hear something like that in, in rock music outside of, like, punk saying, you know, fuck authority or whatever, which is a different <laughs> angle, you know? it's there, there's, there's a sense of of self and power in it that's just not there in the stuff that I used to like and oh, that I still like, but I, I can't... Like, the new stuff that's coming out, it's coming from the same place. And I don't know. I, I just... I'm having trouble relating to that side.
2: Uh, well, right. And it, I think, too, like, a lot of the isolation or... Um... Uh, her hermetic behavior or hermetic behavior that you talk about like in high school it doesn't stem from like a it still stems from like emotion right there's a lot right. of emotion and probably like a little bit of a a turning in as like a, a way to stop feeling so much right and then you're at a place now where like you're not trying to resist that you're at a point where you're able to sort of gush you're wanting to like open yourself to the world which is beautiful and i think that does get at why pop music and why these empowered artists are very helpful we're opposed to you know i'm thinking back to like my 90s listening to like puddle of mud and how like Your lord sad all those songs were uh, which makes me really think about like a band like lincoln park and the range that there is in Lincoln Park's music from like very um disenfranchised songs like weak songs to the empowered like we're not going to take this or like I'm not going to abide by your rules kind of music that's very interesting to me in this moment
1: yeah
0: 18 plus. Right, it's just a matter of, you know, it's just that, that shift it, it, of, of, of learning to care about others, and, and learning to not be detached and cynical. I, I think overcoming cynicism has been, like, one of the most important things that's ever happened to me. Because, I mean, the cynicism is just it's it's horrible. Like, it's a horrible way to go through life, and at the, at the time you know, it felt like the only thing that made sense to me. But now, looking back, it, it's such like a shallow way of living, and it's such a shallow way of relating to the world and, and people. Just this denial of, of, of genuine emotion and, and caring, and a denial of a denial of society. At, you know, as as a, as a group, a denial that you know people are part of one thing. Yeah, you know, like you can't just isolate yourself and, and just think that that's fine. You, you know what I mean? It's it, it, there are things that are more important than just you. Yeah, And that's, that's, like, that that has been a really amazing thing to come to terms with. Yeah, it's a little ironic. I, I think it's really bold and, like, kind of egotistical to
1: be that cynical and to look at yes. someone like Kanye, who's that huge, and say, like, that guy's full of shit. Like, he's huge. He can do whatever he wants. Like, his speech makes no sense. Like, to me, that's the irony. Like, well, he actually is, like, being, like, really, like, passionate and, like, honest and, like, he's speaking what he means. Like, you're inability to like grasp it and like put yourself in this pedestal and think like he's just full of shit like that to me is like the problem like I don't understand why like fuck I listened to whole Jay-Z's entire discography trying to figure that guy out like (laughs) I gave the guy a chance like I get him like inside and out now it doesn't mean I have to connect with his music but I do like appreciate him on a different level actually now and to me like I feel like that's what art is about like I should be trying to figure out this person's worldviews and what they're trying to say. And that's, to me, like, going through Kanye's speech, like, I'm at this point where, like, I get it. Like, I know this guy, like, so well. Like, I know what he's saying, and it speaks to me in ways that, like, it's so beautiful to, like, understand someone on that level. And I've never even met the fucker. Well, (laughs) only a few times.
2: Um, I'd say, too, like, what Jordan's talking about with going from, like, a place of cynicism to wanting to open up to wanting to, like, to caring about people and wanting to care about people, that's probably why Jesus resonates so much, because that's exactly the arc in Jesus Right. Um, when you get to Bound 2, like, it's such a relief. Yep. Um, to just... And for the character, too, because the character's finally, like, connected with somebody and has found, like, a place of, like... A, sort of an oasis. And... I, uh, yeah, he's receptive and open, which... I think that's what we're getting at. He's
0: he's accepting and admitting what he needs.
1: Right. Which is
0: Kim Yang. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, top five Kanye songs?
0: Oh, yeah. You got that list ready? Uh, Yeah, I've got five here. All right, let's do it. Number five. Okay. Let me preface this by saying that this is an ever-shifting list, and it could be different in two weeks. But uh, (laughs) right now, I'm going to say number five, uh, Runaway. Number four on site, number three all day, number two power, and number one hold my liquor. Nice, I like that. You know, on Sight is a song I don't think a lot of people appreciate either. Oh, it's incredible. I, I think. I mean, thematically, and of course on the album too. But I think also just musically, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love just turning it on. Like if I'm at the gym
1: or something, it's the best. Yep.
2: Oh, God, I can't wait for the on-site episode.
1: I, I have a... Well, it's one of my... I was going to save it for the episode, but it's here. Like, one of my favorite, like, just flat-out memories is from that song. Because I remember... I don't know if you remember, Chris, but we were kind of freaking out when Jesus dropped. We were texting each other. Yeah. And I was on my way to, like, a destination wedding. So I am, like, trying my hardest to, like, download this goddamn album like illegally like i don't care like i'm gonna do it like i gotta hear it and i get it on the bus and the quality is like terrible and i'm like god damn it like and i'm listening to it, I'm like this album sucks like <laughs> bullshit and um i finally got like i got in a car and i was able to put it on full blast and i told my girlfriend like i have a surprise for you and she had, like, no idea what it was going to be. And I turned on the song, because, like, we're both huge Kanye fans. And the song starts playing, and it sound and, like, the clarity is a lot better. And it sounds incredible. And it's, like, big and loud. And then it's, you know, it's got the whole intro and everything. And then Kanye starts rapping, and she looks at me, and he's like, holy shit.
0: Because <laughs>
1: we had been waiting so long for this album, and it was just, like, amazing. Like, we both, like, connected and, like, got Kanye, like, what he was doing and, like, the fun he was having with it, and like it was just so great. Like that album to me, like has ah, I just can't get over it. I it is I haven't said this yet, but it's my
0: favorite album ever. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Yep. Yeah, and it, there's nothing else that sounds like it sonically. Yeah, I mean it has precedents. Like you know, I, everybody talks about Death Grips, which yeah, is it's it's there's, it's, a, it's similar territory, mm. or something like M like MIA's Maya. I think is also sort of a, a precedent. Um, but there's still, like, I when I listen to it, the difference is something like Death Grips and, and Maya, those albums are so noisy and layered and big. And then Jesus is, like, that a similar sound but the opposite. It's, like, the most minimal, stripped-down, bare thing you could possibly get. And that, to me, makes it feel so much, in a way, so much more abrasive and aggressive than those other albums sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's the thing I really
1: love about the production is, like, can't even, like... I don't have a way of putting it into words, like but to me it sounds like the production like is surrounding the character we're listening to. Mm-hmm. There's all this dead space kind of behind what's going on because it is so minimalistic and everything. And it feels like a character like in a black room, basically. Like mm-hmm. telling the story and all these sounds going on around him are like what we're like experiencing through him like internally. Like that's the only way I can describe it. And it really, like, puts me with the character in a way that I
0: can't, I just can't think of with another album. It blows me away. Have you guys read the uh, the Rick Rubin piece about the stuff that got deleted from those songs? Yes. Yeah, I think, we, I think, Chris, you told me about it.
2: Yeah. I read yeah, it a pretty, while ago. Pretty crazy.
0: I, I kind of want to hear those, but I, yeah, I, <laughs> it, I, it's, I can't imagine them any other way.
2: Did I you... Know. What was the song that leaked where it had the difference... Bound uh, 2. It was Bound 2. Yeah. That, like... I liked what I was hearing from that. Um, oh, yeah. The bound 2, to too. I, the
0: only one I remember is, like, the... That Black Skinhead had, like, uh, crowd noise from a Little League game in it originally. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. Yeah.
2: yeah. What, well, um... God. I was happy to hear it all day in there. I, uh, For some reason... I I have a lot of, like, weird feelings about all day, but I adore all day.
1: <laughs> I just recently, I don't know why it took me so long, but in the last two weeks, I've realized how amazing it is, and how much depth there is, and ah, oh, yeah. it's just, like, I
0: can't stop listening to it now. I know, and again, it's a song that, again, sounds like nothing else I've ever heard before. Just, you know, it's, and it just, it changes so many times, it becomes so many different things in the span of, like, six minutes, it's unbelievable.
2: That, yeah, the, the Broadway the... lines get me every time,
1: <laughs> man. And just like narratively, the way he's rapping that song is like I feel like that maybe that's something he's he did it on Jesus, but like the way like he kind of speeds up the way he's talking and who he's talking to and the anger that's building in his voice, like there's a narrative to the way he's rapping, and it feeds into his points and like kind of the emotion of it. And I can only imagine it's going to get even better on swish like i because i think about songs i use and i can't imagine them without being surrounded by those other songs like it's become like a different thing to me it's not just about the song it's about this like entire experience at the album right it's it's gonna be cool i wonder
0: if we're ever gonna hear like the the exercise tracks i can't i mean i can't imagine how this would be with extra tracks, or, or how they would even work outside of the context of that album. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, well, and it's interesting, too, already looking at, on Swish, what he's given away. Like, Piss on Your Grave was supposed to be a track on Swish as it was originally envisioned, and now he gave that away to uh, Travis Scott for Rodeo or Rodeo. And, uh... He had a song that he gave to, um, what's his face? Detroit guy. Um, Big Sean? Big Sean. That was supposed to be on the album. And then he gave away the Rihanna track. So I'm really curious, because it seemed like with Yeezus, he just cut the stuff. Or like, but here he's giving away these songs that were supposed to be part of his album.
0: That is weird. I don't know, I, I mean, I might regret saying this later, but right now, I feel pretty confident that Swish is probably going to be his best album. I mean, even just based on all day, I, I, that that right there is like, I mean, I just feel like he's been getting better and better as he goes anyway, so I don't know. I I, I have very little reason to doubt him right now. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I am, wouldn't be surprised if he just continued to tap
1: himself forever. Yeah. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, Um do you want to discuss the least favorite album or least favorite song or get into what's your top most, wait, Kanye, what moment?
0: <laughs> uh, well, my least favorite is College Dropout. Um, uh, least favorite song is probably See You in My Nightmares, but only because of that Lil Wayne verse. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, I can't I can't <laughs> do it. I just can't get through
1: it. I feel like we've briefly discussed Little Wayne. Every time we've discussed said Little Wayne's name, it's been with like that air, been
0: like yeah, he's he's there sometimes. I don't get it. I don't get him. Like that (laughs) voice is just oh my god. I don't even have a problem with his voice. Really insane. You probably should have a problem with his voice.
2: (laughs) Well, fine. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. What do you love that song, Chris?
2: No, I, I oh. you know, I'm okay with it. I like you, whatever. I need um, to listen to it
1: again. I don't even. I I do only think
0: of Lil Wayne's part of that song. San, sans Lil Wayne, <laughs> my favorite part. Or, I'm sorry, my least favorite song is probably Heartless, um, which I have a real problem getting. I, I have a pro I have problems with that song.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Maybe we'll. You should come back for the Heartless discussion. We actually so we, we, can, we
0: should do that. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll save it for then.
2: Okay, um, and then your wait, Kanye? What?
0: Oh, jeez. I don't know. I didn't. I hadn't really thought about a wait, Kanye. What? Mode. Yeah, we popped it on you. Yeah. Prepare you. I don't know. Like for me, it's it's hard because it's almost like at this point everything Kanye does and says like makes sense in a weird way. Like it all fits in like the context of who he is and his whole narrative for me. I don't know. Like even stuff like his. Like the, like, the Taylor Swift interruption and everything. Like, it all, it all, like, adds up to me. I, I don't know. I have a hard time, like, not getting something from him. Other than, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't even, I can't even, like, think of, like, a good throwaway line or anything right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it is a struggle, actually, to come up with them when we're listening to the songs. I'm
0: like, oh, this all sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what to do. I'll say, well... I'll, I'll say this one, I guess, just because it, it's all—it's like the one line in a song that I don't know. I, I I can see the argument for it making sense, but it always kind of throws me for a loop when he says it. Uh, which is in Bound Two, uh, when he says, uh, "Ask me what I wish, wish for on my wish list. You ever ask your bitch for other bitches?" Which seems like a, such a strange line in the context of like what that song is about. I don't know. I I, I guess I'm you know I know you guys are gonna talk about it later, but <laughs> <laughs> like oh my it's, God, hard. it's the last one we'll talk about. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Like, two years
2: from now. No, it is strange in that context. Right. But I think it probably makes sense given, like, he's still flawed in a way. So it's like there's still hurdles to get over.
1: Yeah, you know what? I wonder if it feeds into... Because I really want to talk about Bound 2 because for a a long time I had the idea that the song was a little bit ironic and that it's almost kind of a subversion of, like, everything we're hearing in the album. Like, you get something like... Um, it, it's all building up to Send It Up and Send It Up as this, like, sort of... Him, you know, he just rose again. He's, like, back to God status. He's He believes in himself that way. And then it, like, switches the bound, too. And to me, there's this sort of... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say a joke, but the way he's saying everything sounds like it's supposed to be ironic. And the way right. he says bound is almost like, I'm bound. Like, fuck, I met this girl at this party and sent it up, and now I'm, like, stuck with her because I knocked her up. So part of it is loving. Like, I get that and, like, how it could be part of that narrative. But part of me thinks, like, is it sort of a reverse of what he's doing and, like, sign of getting back at the, you know how stardom
0: is and all it's cracked up to be, like, kind of the darker side of it and everything. The funny thing is, <laughs> the, like, the way that song plays out, because, you, uh, you know, on the surface, it feels like it is just, like, you know, the, the journey from on-site to bound to where he's in love and admitting he needs something more than just what he had. But at the same time, when it has lines like that one I mentioned and, like, what you're saying, Travis, where he's sort of... It's almost like he can't quite get there or the song doesn't quite mean what it sounds like. It, it's like the way that makes me feel almost reminds me of the line... like almost like that part in on sight is foreshadowing where he says uh will give us what we need may, may not be what we want it, it, you know what i mean it's it's it feels like it's operating along a similar wavelength where it's like you think it's going to give you this thing that you're waiting for or this thing that you feel like is what he's trying to say but then he keeps throwing it off with other things that he says in that song where it doesn't quite give you that cathartic satisfaction which is i don't know that frustration is kind of interesting mm mm-hmm. yeah
2: Yeah, because that's uh, getting into... Because he says, like, I'll turn the plane around. Like, there are a few lines in there. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah, there's a few lines that show disconnect. And Travis, you've had your theory about um, the Jerome's in the house line.
1: Yeah, right.
2: So so there's definitely, like... It it has depth to it. It's not an easy reading, which I think is what makes the album so interesting. Because you can't just listen to it and be like, oh, yeah, it's that straightforward. It's like... Reading and
0: like ev- oh,
2: oh go ahead oh uh, it's like reading Frost's uh, two paths Diversion in yellow wood um like people just think it means like the path I took the path less taken it's made all the difference when Frost actually meant that to be ironic like it doesn't fucking matter what path you take like you just <laughs> take a path um, right it's like
0: every, it's like every song on that album oh, like almost seems to be the opposite of what it sounds like it means you know I mean right. Like, on-site, on like, this super hard song about... It. You know, it sounds, on the surface, almost like a sort of straightforward rap bravado song. But then, like, ending it with the laugh, like he does, just, like, just changes the whole meaning of that song. And, like, every song seems to have at least one little moment like that. Where it just... You think it means one thing, but it, he's really expressing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Which, and if you think about it that way, if his art to the end, like, like you were saying, is like we were talking about if, if his, that final song is following the same pattern where it means, like, the opposite of what you think, then what the fuck does that... Man, it's, like, blowing my head open. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Jerome's on the house line. Maybe we should save it for the podcast,
1: but, again, it there's something deeper to that line because it's getting at uh, the show Martin mm-hmm. and the character of Jerome. And it, like, like we said, like, there's just always something deeper and there's, like, these... We, there are these, like, ideas building throughout where, like, that line starts to make difference... It, you see it in a different light when you consider like all the like the influences on the album and the pop culture like throughout it and how it's like influencing his character. Like it just becomes a different line the way you're reading it and the, how you read into it. It's fucking. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just so exhausting to talk about. Like I can't believe we've we got into it in the in the best way. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Well. Uh, Northwest news.
1: Um, well, Jordan already spoiled it. But. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I really, I really, I really fucked up. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: we get our, we got this Northwest update from the same place we always get it from. What well, I don't even remember the name anymore. Hollywood Life or something. Uh, but the headline is Northwest copies Daddy Kanye West exact look with gray shirt and gold chain. <laughs> uh, pictures to boot. You can find that on HollywoodLife.com. Well worth seeking out. It's actually pretty amazing. Yeah. It is.
2: <laughs> I like the idea that Northwest will grow up to not feel that she's pressured into gender-specific fashion, like Jaden Smith.
1: I <laughs> I love what Jaden's doing.
2: <laughs> Yo, wait, have you listened to any of his recent raps?
1: Uh, I don't think I've listened to his rapping. I'm more into, like, his persona and, like, the crazy shit he's doing.
2: I can't tell you how excited I am for Jaden to drop, like, an album.
0: I need to listen to this. <laughs> I don't even I wouldn't even know how to process that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's done he's done some like raps this last year where he's just like released tracks where I've been like I'm legitimately into this. <laughs> like um I guess Gambino's a rapper that we didn't talk about at all that tends to have like themes in depth going on into a yeah. lot of his songs. And like, Jaden reminded me of, like, somebody that's in that vein.
1: Yeah.
0: Like some... I actually have never gotten into this house Gambino. You know, I need to do that. Yeah. I think we can all agree that we, should, we just need to hope that uh, Northwest gets into the game someday. Oh, absolutely.
2: Oh, fuck. Could you imagine?
0: Oh, I can't. She has to.
2: I can't even... I'm imag- <laughs> I don't know why I pictured it like, uh, that fucking movie Underworld... Where it's like the vampires and the lichens, and then they produce like a super vampire lichen. Like <laughs> you have like fashion media savvy Kim with like fashion music savvy like Kanye creating like ah oh
0: my god that's gonna be like the final arc in, in Kanye's discography when he his his daughter's gonna join him on his like final album or something.
2: Oh, could you imagine a joint album between them?
0: Oh man, I can,
1: and it, I hope they gotta
2: happen. Secretly, Kim <laughs> spends the next thirty years developing a rap game. <laughs> Kim's on the album too. What would they call it? The Yeezys? The
1: Our really? Story.
2: Our Story. <laughs> I think we just peaked. I think.
1: <laughs> this is getting yeah, out of hand. All
2: right, um, what are we talking about next time?
1: Next episode, we should be talking about Get Em High. Oh, thank God. A song we both like a lot, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you for coming on. This was fantastic.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, podcast is Fifth Opinion. Yeah. uh, You can go to
2: fifthopinionpod.com. And uh, if you like Chris and Travis, they've both been on it. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. (laughs) And if you you like listening to About Twilight... (laughs) <laughs> oh God. You got five episodes waiting for you. Yeah. Maybe not the best way to entice people, but all
2: right. Yeah, Fifth Opinion really is like a roundtable discussion, getting into a lot of uh, movie. I mean, it's movie specific, so but it's right. analyzing movies in a way that, which is what we appreciate. Not a lot of critics do. Getting various opinions and ideas out there that typically just get like the solo opinion or maybe two people. Joking about a movie But not Sort of the layers And like Various Insights that you guys bring
0: Yeah Right Thanks Yeah I mean And the whole Yeah the whole Idea is uh, Movies that we Either disagree with each other Or like The public And critics on So movies that Hopefully To get people Hopefully people can see them Differently if they've Written them off before Mm -hmm. Yeah hopefully someday We can do a
2: little Joint marriage episode With Runaway Fuck Yeah Oh, God.
0: Yeah, a, a much of a line movie with a lot of people, actually, so it fits in with everything. And we've talked about doing it on Fifth Opinion on our own before, so yeah, that'd be great. Yes. Yes.
2: I know nobody can see my eyes and my expression right now, but it's very intense. <laughs> All right, well, that uh, that does it. Goodbye.